Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host, Corey Robinson. And today we're joined by the founder of the Spartan Dog for Life brand and former Michigan State football player, Jay Green. Jay, how you doing today? I'm good. How y'all doing today? Uh, great. Glad that we could get you back on. Uh, you were one of our favorites at the last stop we were at, so getting you back on here was huge. I appreciate y'all having me anytime. Yeah, for sure. So for those that don't know, uh, we had an episode with uh, Jay back when we were doing the Spartan Beat. So definitely go check that out if you want to know a little bit about what he's doing these days, what um, his Spartan Dog for Life brand is all about, and uh, just how close he is to the program. So go check that out for sure. Um, And then uh, so I guess we'll dive right in, Jay. So uh, this episode is going to be mostly previewing uh, this upcoming week against Michigan, but we wanted to first just touch base with you on, so you go to actual football practices and see what the team is like and all that. So just over the last few months, um, and even just the off season, I guess, what have you kind of just noticed from practices? What is your take on this Michigan State program under Mel Tucker from your actual observations? The word that I always use when I explain it to people is things are just different. And I always preface that by saying that what what my opinion is not a knock to any of the previous coaches, but I just go off of what I see. And, you know, like I was telling you before, when I go to practice and I see, you know, you can't really tell which one is the head coach because he's coaching just as hard as any of the other assistants. Like that's to me, that's different. You know, I, I've seen him participate in special teams drills and be coaching just like any of the other assistants. That's different. You know, the, the, the competition in practice, you know, that's different. The intensity in practice is different. It's all just different. And that's, you know, that's what I hang, well, that's what I hang on is the word different because that's what it is. And that's what gave me the confidence, you know, to predict that, before the season that we will be nine and three when, you know, the experts were giving us four or five wins. So that that's the word that I use is different. Everything around here is different. And, you know, I, I just don't feel like you can have the success that he's had in college with winning, you know, two national championships as an assistant and also coaching under some of the best, well, what, what many would consider the, the best college coach of all time and Nick Saban you know, also coached under Coach Trestle, you know, had a stint in the league, and you just can't have the kind of success that he's had, you know, and settle for anything less. And it shows by, you know, the accountability that he has in the program. So you spoke a little bit about Mel Tucker there, and uh, he's in the news these days, um, I guess if you want to call it news. But um, he's, uh, I guess, a couple people at LSU like him as a candidate. So, um of course, you haven't directly talked to Mel about any of these rumors, but you, you've been around him. You know where his head is usually at. You've had a lot of conversations with him over the past few months in general. Um, so what have, what have you kind of put together in your head when you hear LSU Mel Tucker mentioned in the same sentence? Just from what you know about him, what is your take uh, when you see these rumors? So let me preface these comments again. I have not talked to him about this at all. I have not even felt the need to have this conversation with him. But 
like when I first heard it, it just was a rumor to me. I, I have never felt like that that he was going anywhere. You know, I think that that's one of the reasons why he was hired because this is more of a destination to him than it is a stop. You know, I, I feel like, you know, for the most part, people know when they got it good. And I feel like he knows that he has it good here. And when I say he has it good, meaning that he has the support of, of former players. And you all know because you came to the Spartan Dog Dinner just mm -hmm. how how close-knit of a group we are and how much our support can mean to a head coach. You know, he has the support of the athletic director who was the new athletic director who had a huge part in hiring him. And I feel like they have a great relationship. And and I just feel like, you know, he I feel like this is – is more like home to him than than anywhere else. And that's, you know, what I get from the conversation that I've had, you know, with him and just, you know, seeing how he operates. And I really believe he loves it around here. For sure. And like yeah. you said, those are great bullet points. And then not to mention he has a new facility that he has worked tirelessly along with Alan to kind of get funding for. So it's things are things are just getting started here at Michigan State. And he has the infrastructure that would draw him to stay for sure. I agree. And I, and I think that Coach, Coach D'Antonio proved that you can win at Michigan State. I think the difference was, and, and I think he even alluded to it, was that he didn't never, you know, ask for the things that he needed. And I think Coach Tucker won't be shy about, you know, asking for the things that he needs that he feels will help him be successful here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. That's what we had talked to when we uh, did a, our podcast on him and the LSU stuff is that this actually works out great for Michigan State because he's probably going to get a little bit of a raise. But for him, I don't think it's necessary to the raise. I think it's he's going to get even more commitment to that facility that's going to be put up here soon and, and start breaking ground. So to me, I think that's like the the biggest factor for him personally like money's always good but you know he's, he makes a good amount already he'll make a little bit more because of this but for me I think the biggest win comes out if you're Michigan State is that you just put yourself up on a higher plateau of what your expectation as a program is through dollars yeah and and the other thing is that that's that's impressive to me and I'm sure it's something that he thinks about is the fact that he hasn't even really got his players in here yet to to yeah. to to you know make his vision come true, you know C Coach D'Antonio definitely lit, didn't lead a cupboard bare, but you know as, as a head coach you have to be excited with doing what he's done so far this year with again you know some players that you got out the porter to, f to fill in some holes and you know thinking of. You know, you all have seen the recruits that we've had committed, and this is just really his his first full year of being able to recruit as far as having kids on campus. So, you know, I think that the future here is very exciting, exciting, and and I just don't think that you know I feel like he he has work here that needs to be done, and he won't leave until that's finished. And I, and I agree with you that it's not about the money. Yeah, definitely. So I guess kind of switching gears a little bit and we'll go back to the Michigan preview. Uh, as a player, what was it like going into that week and just how 
how it was different than other weeks and just just kind of speak on that aspect of jumping into Michigan week, which we're at right now? Well, I think the one thing that was different during that week is you could always tell. So when I played, for the most part, every year that we played them, we wasn't ever expected to beat them. So, I, like, I remember my freshman year, they were ranked number one in the country. So it was a it was built up as number one against no one, which, you know, was a game that we wound up winning. The other time that we won during my tenure was in 93. And, again, I think they were ranked like six in the country, and we weren't ranked. Uh, but during, as far as that week, you can always tell that it's Michigan week because you have a lot more fights in practice. You know, and guys are just really amped at the opportunity. And and I think with with, our, with us, it was more so of having a chip on our shoulder because nobody really expected us to win. Now, you know, it's kind of different because we've had some some success in the past, you know, with beating them consistently. And, and I think it's a little different. Like, I couldn't imagine, you know, going into a week where both teams are undefeated and ranked in the top 10, that's something that I've never experienced. And I just feel like that situation creates a whole different buzz around campus. So I, I've never experienced it up to that, to that point. But when I played, we hated them just as much as they do now. So <laughs> that's all still the same. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like you said, you've been to the practices and just how intense smell is on when you're playing, uh, I don't know what, We'll go with uh, Youngstown. He was probably intense that week. But can, I can just imagine how intense uh, last week and now this week, since you got two weeks of it, uh, has been from Mel and just the the attention to detail that he's got all everybody in the program on, maybe up another two notches somehow even. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think another good thing about – bringing him here as a coach is I think he really understands the rivalry and what it means, you know, especially from this side, because he lived it as a, as a, as a grad assistant, you know, so, so he, he really, he really gets it, you know, and I, and I think he, he really understands how intense his rivalry is. And again, I say from, from this side, because if you ask them, you know, they, they try to make it seem like it's not such a big deal to them. But, you know, we're fine with that. You know, we, we, we used to be in the underdog, and I think we kind of thrive in that position. You know, we, we like being doubted and proving people wrong. So I look forward to us doing that again on Saturday. Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely. And it, it's funny because, what is it, nine out of uh, nine and four the last 13 years against them? But, like, if you look at certain – areas of the media and stuff they they almost still make it sound like Michigan I think they're even favored to win this week but uh I think that's something that just plays well to Michigan State with having that that underdog role or chip on their shoulder even when every result says that that's probably not really true yeah and I, I even saw I saw an interview uh before the game the Northwestern game with Aiden Hutchison and his goal was to come back and beat Ohio state said nothing about Michigan state, even though we've had again, success against them. So, you know, I I think that they kind of take it very lightly 
but we've always taken it serious and we'll continue to take it seriously. So if, if they want to keep, you know, taking us lightly, then we'll continue to do what we've been doing gladly. Yeah. yeah. And, and something that you touched on there with Mel being here and living the rivalry as a grad assistant, um, along with the fact that he was, he was born in Ohio. So he just naturally has his whole life been taught to hate Michigan. Um, yes. That's a good point because I heard people like say early on in the Tucker era when they saw he was offering kids nationally, they were thinking, oh, if you get kids from far away, what if they don't understand the rivalry or same with portal guys. But at the end of the day, if the coach instills the rivalry, you could get kids from Tokyo. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that Mel Tucker understands the rivalry. And as long as he is here and preaching that you have to beat Michigan, then the rest of it takes care of itself from the top down. So glad that you glad that you mentioned that. I agree. And 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 the other thing is is that there is no countdown clock for no other game that's on our schedule. Right. So if if you if you from wherever you like you said, if you're from Tokyo and you come in and you don't understand, then that means somebody in that building is not doing something right. Right. You know, I I believe that, you know, you, you got coaches on the coaching staff who've played in this game before. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you got us as, as former players who, you know, we always interact with, with players and staff and, you know, people. So they going to know. Yep. They, they, they will definitely know. That, that Them knowing is not going to be a problem. Yep. At, because, again, it's something that as a program we stress. You know, we, we stress beating them because we just don't like them at the end of the day. We just yeah. really don't like them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like a random one too is uh, obviously uh, Justin and I interview recruits, and there's a a recruit from Arizona. I'll keep his name out just in case Michigan ever wants to offer him, so he doesn't throw him under the bus <laughs> here. But uh, I asked him because he said he is he got to talk with Mel for a while, and I'm like, oh, well, what was his message and kind of what was he talking about? And he said, honestly, we talked about how much we both hate Michigan. And, and this is just some random kid in Arizona in June. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I mean, with with Mel, with uh, Hawkins, with uh, Harlan, uh, Ron Burton, who's been a coach here for 15 so, years, there, yeah. or not 15, but over 10, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any shortage of uh, motivation from the coaching staff on on getting people to understand really quickly what this game and rivalry means. Yeah. And not, not yeah. only that, but you, you have the players who have been, been here that may be from Michigan or other places, mm-hmm. but have, have lived through it. They not, they yeah. going to help you to understand how important it is. Right. Yeah. Xavier yeah. Henderson's going to help it. Yeah. <laughs> Under, let couch crouch and all of those guys know real quick what yeah. this is and sure. what you have to bring. And those offensive linemen that have over like 120 career starts, most of those guys are from the Midwest and they've been in four or five of these games now. So there are enough people here that'll always, that'll always be here, no matter how nationally they recruit. Um, Cause they're always going to recruit the Midwest. There'll always be enough people to push the point home and Tucker and these guys and the staff will do it too. But, and then also uh, Michigan can't help themselves with uh, just giving bulletin board, bulletin board material out for free. Um the the entire time that uh, the recruiting uh, cycle was unwinding here the past year or so, when these guys would get a random four-star from the state of Michigan or, or Andrew Anthony or any of these guys, their media and their fans just 
just act like the on-field results don't matter. And uh, the Michigan State players and, and coaches, they see that. They're on social media. They see reporters that cover Michigan saying that Michigan State won't be a threat all because of recruiting and things like that. And I know these tweets get around to the staff and the players and they talk about it. And and, and with a guy like Mel Tucker, who who is all about recruiting, he has lost a couple guys to Michigan that he felt like he should have landed. And all of that fuels the fire. He's a guy that wants to win these recruiting battles in state. And that starts by winning on the field. And he's been festering over losing a couple of recruits probably for a while. And that is going to come and be seen here on the field. And a coach that is in these recruiting battles that loves recruiting, he's going to focus on showing the recruits on the field. This is the superior team out of the two in state. And he's read all about Michigan being the dominant recruiting power all over the media recently. So these are things that they see. These are things I know they talk about. These are things that make it to the locker room. And uh, Michigan media will continue to give them um, more and more ammo, it seems. And, and I guess my thing is is that if you are a player and you need any anything to get you motivated or hyped for this game, then you just need not be playing anyway. Yeah, because exactly. the, coach, the, the coach shouldn't have to say nothing. Shouldn't an, art, an article like None of that should should have to be done to get you fired up and ready to play in this game. Just the fact that it's it's the team in Ann Arbor should be enough to to have you wanting to play and run through a wall. And I, and I think the thing that bothers me about the Michigan fans and the media and the people who you know are are, are Michigan people is the fact that if you listen to them talk you would think that they've had the success like Alabama has had. Like they have like six or seven national championships out of the past, you know, 20 years even, you know, not even 12 years, but out of the past 20 years when actually they only had, they got one shared national championship. And I, and I think that's the thing that, that, that bothered, that's what bothers me about them. I don't know about other people, but just the fact that they are to me just unrealistic and, you know, they just are who they are. You, I, 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 I'll share with you a recruiting story. Right. When I was getting recruited by Michigan and Bo Schimbeckler was there, and I went went to visit, and he told me, now keep in mind, and I'm not saying this to, to gloat or anything, but I'm a high school All-American and can go anywhere that I want to go. And he tells me that it's not about how much we want you. You should want to come here. <laughs> and, and and that's to me that's kind of like the attitude of a fan base yep and and to me that 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 pretty much sums it up and that's where my hatred of of u of m kind of started right and the whole thing of it is the reason that they talk like they have all this success is because their definition of success is hardly about on field uh performance what they see as success is landing a four-star recruit in June or making a list for um, the most like revenue for the past calendar year or having a stadium that holds 110,000 people. That's what they view as success, and that's kind of what breeds their arrogance. And that's the whole reason that their reality is kind of a little tilted is, is they, don't, they don't say, oh, we haven't even been to Indianapolis. We shouldn't talk much. 
it's they fall back on, oh, we're Michigan, we're a big brand. And that alone gives us the right to talk. So their definition of success isn't even rooted in what the other teams view as success. It's in all this marketing stuff. That's what they view as successful for their program. Yeah, I mean, you got what one one mixed national championship since the Korean War ended. Yep. I mean, that's a long ass time ago. Yeah, but you like you're you're pretending like you uh, still own the sport, and you you pop off numbers of how many national championships you had, but almost all of them were before 1920. Like, yep. like who who gives a shit about what you did in 1887 through yeah. 19 1942? Like that, that, I, that means nothing. I agree. Cause I always, even, you know, when I get, if I get in this conversation with a Michigan fan and I'll bring up the fact that, you know, you all were dominant during a time when it was really only two teams in the big 10, which was Michigan and Ohio state. You know, you would sprinkle in other teams would win every now and then, but for the most part, it was just two teams. Bo wouldn't be Bo if you had Joe Paterno and Tom Osborne mm-hmm. in the big team, like mm-hmm. it, it, that's a fact, yep. you know, yeah. but, 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 you know, just like any other time, whenever you tell people facts and truth, they don't want to hear that, especially when you're talking about their beloved program. So, yep. and know. that's why, and that's why that Michigan didn't want Penn state to join the conference because they knew when parody and um, a wider range of competition entered in, suddenly they wouldn't be able to brag about winning all these games despite not winning national titles because suddenly the conference schedule would get harder. Yeah. Basically, basically that's what it was, is win the Big Ten, lose your bowl game. That That's bowl's legacy. That's who they yep. hold up as uh, the, the god of their program. The guy's got zero national championships. And he, all he would do was go lose his bowl game every year. Like it was a religion. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's, it's the way they are. And I don't think it's ever going to change. So again, I'm just happy with, you know, we're, we're bringing them down to reality that it, nothing brings my heart more joy. Like literally, I don't care who they playing and what sport it is. I'm always rooting for whoever it is they playing against. <laughs> that that's how that's how deep deeply the dislike and hate go. I I, I don't like to use the word hate because it's not like I'd be wanting something bad to happen to anybody over there. I just don't want them to win. But, all right, now we will pivot to some football talk and uh, and just going beyond the actual rivalry itself. So this week, um, both teams come in seven and zero, and both teams have looked pretty good um throughout the season uh an occasional dogfight here and there against rutgers and nebraska for michigan and uh, against indiana and nebraska for michigan state so it's it's gonna be um very hyped up obviously and it's gonna be a team uh team win for whoever wins they're gonna need to show up in all facets of the game the way i look at it is Michigan State's biggest weakness, despite them getting better every week, is probably outside cornerback play. And Michigan is the one, maybe two or three teams that in the Big Ten won't be taking advantage of that of that weakness. So that's kind of the big overall takeaway for me is Michigan State's defense should be able to keep Michigan State in the game the entire time. 
and you don't, you're not going to see Michigan light it up. You're not going to see them score in bunches. They're going to have their consistent, well-oiled running attack. And Michigan State has consistently been a good run defense. So it'll be power against power um, in terms of the two team strengths when Michigan's offense is on the field. And uh, I'll, I, as for your Michigan State fan, you'll take that any day uh, as opposed to some air raid team coming in and throwing the ball all over the field. Um, and uh, then on offense, I, I kind of kind of concerned after the Indiana game about if they're going to be able to get Kenneth Walker some running lanes, especially because I think uh, Aiden Hutchinson's pretty legit, and uh, so is David Ojabo. So those are two guys that um, I think can be disruptors in this game and two guys that I think are legit. Um, and uh, and Mike McDonald does a better job than Dave, Don Brown ever did at uh, masking some coverages and not just leaving his guys out on islands. But um, at the same time, Michigan State has a much better quarterback than they did last year. And so that's kind of how I look at it. Those are, those are the things that my mind goes to. What about you guys? I feel like if we, if we come play the way that we are capable of playing, that it won't even be close is how I feel. I feel like as, a, as far as offensively, I feel like we are more explosive. You know, they, they do have some good backs. Uh, their receivers we really don't know about because they haven't really thrown that much. But they do have some good backs who are who are together, a, a really good tandem. But I really feel like our defense is, is – their strength on offense is going against our strength on defense. Right. So, really, this is going to turn into a game of wheels and who just wanted more, mm-hmm. which yeah. I always – I always feel like we we always have extra fuel and the extra chip on our shoulder because of how we get disrespected of how people want to make them relevant. You know, I was I was just listening uh, to a podcast the other day and they were they were giving the numbers for Panashuk and giving the numbers for Aiden Hutchinson and Panashuk numbers are are way better than Aiden Hutchinson. But who do you always hear about? So you so you think Mike Panashute isn't going to be fired up to to play that game? You think Chris Slade, who again has been playing from what I've seen as good as any de- defensive tackle in the country, you think he's not going to be fired up for that game? Mm-hmm. And and to me, that makes a difference. That that makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, and I think too, Michigan on defense, like. I think their defensive numbers against Northwestern were pretty good, but there was so many times that even an average quarterback and an average wide receiver shredded them in that game because when Michigan, they like to uh, bring everybody to the line on third downs and kind of show stuff. But when they do that, they've had a, a lot of missed open holes where you obviously you open it up a little bit. If you're bringing more than four, that makes sense. But Michigan uh, schematically is not getting back right with the guys they're dropping. They're not dropping them in the right spot where had Northwestern's quarterback been even competent, uh, that game would have been a little closer because he had wide open receivers the entire day. Every time they blitz, they would, just let a guy go completely unguarded. And apparently uh, that quarterback strong suit wasn't seeing wide open receivers going across the middle or going up the seam. 
so I think schematically, I think Michigan, while they're improved with the new staff, I think they're still leaving themselves open for those big plays. And that's been what Michigan State's offense has been all about is hitting those big plays. So, so I think you'll see Michigan State challenging them vertically a lot. Uh, the big thing, like you mentioned, Justin, is uh, offensive line needs to hold up, which is something they've done really well with in these Michigan-Michigan State games, even when they're not a great offensive line unit, much worse than they are this year. Mm-hmm. The the line always seems to have that extra intensity when playing them, yeah. and they understand you know, the challenge at hand with uh, Ajabo and Hutchinson and all of those guys. But I yeah. think I think Michigan State also, their strength on offense is the big play. And I think Michigan State's weakness on defense is still the big play. Yeah. And another, yeah, that's a good point about the Michigan State trenches playing up um, when they play against Michigan, even if it's above their talent level. Because last year you saw... Michigan's O-line couldn't block anything against Rutgers. Sorry, Michigan State's O-line couldn't block anything against Rutgers. You fast forward six days, which only so much technical coaching can be done in that time. And you're not getting any stronger in six days. And the fact of the matter is they just looked completely different. And a lot of that has to be attributed to desire. And Rutgers didn't have any great pass rushers. um, Yet they were just consistently getting to Rocky. And then Michigan had Quiddy Paye and Aiden Hutchison, and um, these guys just weren't getting to to Rocky at nearly the same clip that Rutgers guys were. So that's just a, a prime example from the most recent instance in this rivalry where Michigan State's trenches uh, play higher than their talent level for sure. Um, and then, yeah, we, we'll see what happens with the fact that um, Cade hasn't been um, asked to throw the ball a ton um, but when he has, he's been efficient. So we'll see what happens when that sample size is increased. Um, but that, that would only happen if Corum and Haskins are bottled up early. Um, but if, if there's any, any guys in the big 10 that I think that could do it, it would be Panashuk and, uh, Slade and Hanson and these guys and this Ron Burton unit. So it'll be, um, a matchup that will be, like we've been saying, it's like power on power, both teams of strengths. And uh, that's kind of what will decide the game, I think. And um, not to mention that if you can actually start to get some sort of uh, downfield action going here, um, despite them playing this sound kind of zone um, on early downs, that'll help Kenneth Walker too. And if you can have both aspects of your offense going, it goes without saying that that'll, that'll create a lot of problems for, for the other team. However, if one of those two facets don't get going, then you kind of have um, a stagnant attack. Um, then you're kind of punting more than you would like to. And suddenly Michigan's uh, offensive line uh, run blocking uh, this D line is just going to be tiresome to the D line. So you kind of need your offense to limit some time of possession uh, for Michigan's offense. And that's not something that Michigan state has done well this year. They have uh, forced Michigan state's defense to defend more plays than any other team in America. And that's partially because either they score quickly or they punt quickly and they need 
to you can't really score less quickly that's not a strategy if you can score you score but you got to sustain some drives you can't punt right away and you got to make sure that that run blocking uh mauling kind of approach that michigan wants to take um doesn't happen very quickly drive after drive you need the d-line to get some rest yeah the good thing too the defensive line is i think they rotate like eight to ten guys yeah so so they, they'll stay pretty fresh, I think. Obviously, you want Panashuk on the field as much as possible, and he's proven that he can do that. But I, I think you see a lot of rotating on the front seven with Michigan State. Uh, so, And then you got the box safeties, Darius Snow and uh, um, Dowell, Michael Dowell where they're they're both good up against the run too in yeah. that run support. So I, I think I think this game can go a lot of different ways. I think it could be one of those ugly grinded out low scoring ones. Or, you know, you could see some big plays from both sides of uh or both teams where you get it. But I think overall it comes down to taking care of the ball, obviously, not turning it over is always key. And then it's who turns those red zone trips into touchdowns does because uh, I think Michigan will they're a good third down team and Michigan state plays that bend, but don't break defense. Yeah. But, but can Michigan state uh, or can Michigan turn those into touchdowns or are they kicking field goals when you're inside the 30? Yeah. That's so, the key. That's, and that's, then same for Michigan State. Michigan State's got to finish their drives. Once you get it inside that 30, 20, you got to turn those into seven and not three. Right. So just yeah. consistency and finishing is going to be a big key for both teams. I know Northwestern made it kind of hard for Michigan to score in the red zone, at least for the first three quarters or so uh, when I was watching. So that would, if that continues against Michigan State, that I don't have the red zone numbers pulled up here. So maybe it was kind of an oddity for Michigan and maybe they're very good in the red zone. So I don't want to speak out of turn, but I do think that if you can hold Michigan to field goals in the red zone, because I feel like Michigan would get to the red zone, or at least they crossed the uh, Michigan State 40 quite a bit, just because of the way their offense is built and the running attack being efficient. But if you can then once again, not break like you've been doing all year, then Michigan's kind of in trouble because they probably won't be scoring 45 yard touchdowns uh, through the passing game. So that really is going to be their only kind of avenue to score is march it down the field to get close, punch it in. But if you're not letting them punch it in, you're suddenly going to have to start taking some shots and open up the passing attack. And I don't know if they can do that, but we'll see. Jay, anything else you want to add in uh, terms of these observations and stuff? No, I think y'all have pretty much covered it, but you know, my thing is when you have these rivalry games, you can throw everything out the window because at the end of the day, it all comes down to who wants it the most. You know, I, I feel like as far as as far as talent, we pretty we pretty much evenly matched up. I feel like our quarterback is is better. I feel like our receivers are better. I feel like we had a better running back. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's just something that we gotta want. And I don't think we will lack in that department of wanting it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to celebrating on Saturday. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on is some things I want to see Michigan State do, like how I would kind of approach the game, is I would try to load the box on defense early. I would basically tell Michigan, we want you to throw the ball this whole game. 
I would have, I would play Henderson down. Obviously I would uh, snow Darius snow is going to be right there. Dal as well, possibly whoever's playing and they're going to have both linebackers in. And I want eight guys in the box. Um, maybe I would put gross deep and then the two corners outside. And I would say, throw the ball because you're not going to be given running lanes. And if Michigan runs the ball on that front and they succeed, then you just got to tip your hat to them. But I'm going to come in with an intentional game plan to dare them to pass. And on offense, I'm not going to let Hayden Hutchison and David Ojabo tee off. I'm going to have them be hesitant. I'm going to be running some read options. Um, I'm going to be trying to have them hesitate and see, okay, do I have full pursue at the running back? Do I wait, kind of see, do I have to go after the quarterback? Some RPOs, um, just stuff we were talking about in the last episode of what we want to see from Michigan State in the second half of the year with some triple option as well. So these are the kind of things that I would key in on. I would force them to pass and I would uh, kill the pursuit of some of their defensive ends. And uh, that's that's how I would approach this game. I would agree, and I definitely think I think the thing that I would do is I would I would try to open it up early and take some shots early, just to get them, you know, thinking thinking about that, you know, and I and I feel like that will open up things for for Kenneth Walker earlier because at the end of the day, we go as he goes, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he's ha- if he's having success, then we unstoppable. You know, if, if he's not, it's a it's a little bit harder, but I still think that we can get it done. But I, I think that the focus should always be finding a way to get him going because we are a much better team when he gets going. Yeah, I agree, too, with that. Go take shots early because I don't think Michigan is a team that wants to fall behind by two scores. Like, like that they're comfortable being able to dictate it on their terms with that slow slow running game taking ch- chunks and uh body shots where if you uh speed up their process that's not something necessarily they want and like you said with a passing game a lot of their passing game goes through their tight ends with those little short quick hitters type of thing so i, I agree with Justin where you you push everything forward because that's where they want to play and you just can't get beat over the top with your corners and maybe one safety back. So do we, do we want to give any predictions? I, I, I don't have a problem. My prediction is 24 to 10. Okay. Okay. Corey. I'll go uh, Michigan state 30 to 20. I will go. 27 for Michigan State, and I will go 20 for Michigan. And um, key is going to be not breaking in the red zone. Michigan will get there quite a few times. Michigan will probably get to the Michigan State 30 uh, more times than Michigan State fans are hoping. Um, Corum and Haskins are going to have a remotely uh, or moderately successful day. But I do think that the whole saving grace of Michigan State's defense of letting some yards happen but not letting the team in the end zone is once again what is going to carry them to victory this game. And um, it's going to be not as much uh, room to throow this year's game uh, than it, as it was in last year's game. 
there's not there's not going to be putting guys on islands and just guys beating people on streaks they're going to have some zones they're going to play a little back it's not going to come as easily even though the quarterback is much more talented for Michigan State this year so they're going to need to establish the run early set the tone that way and um, if it happens if if Kenneth Walker can get 70 80 90 yards then uh, this should be in good shape if uh, if it's another reoccurring incident like the uh, Indiana game then uh, the prediction uh, might go out the window because you're you're going to need to have a balanced approach um, to make sure those D line D linemen don't tee off. So that's what I think. Um, anything else you want to touch on for this game? No, I think we got it all covered on my end, at least. I'm just ready for it to happen. <laughs> yep, yep. Long time coming. It's been uh, over 365 days. So um, that, that'll do it for this episode. Um, go ahead and uh, check us out. Uh, check out the other episodes we've done. Like I said, uh, see that other episode we did with Jay Green uh, a few months ago uh, over on the Spartan Beat. And then uh, once again, like I said in the last episode, uh, this week we're running a 60% off deal at 24-7 Sports' Michigan State site. Check that out. Go ahead and subscribe if you want recruiting coverage these next 12 months and see what Mel Tucker does with all this momentum that the Spartans have and what the 2023 class is going to look like. This is the best chance you'll have to probably get a discount on that. So thanks again for checking this out. Jay, thank you so much for your time. We loved having you on and getting your insights. I appreciate y'all having me on as always and continue doing the great work that y'all do. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Jay. All right, with that, uh, that'll do it for this episode and see you guys next time. Thanks a lot, Jay. 